1: You know, God can use us, even if we failed many times in the past to accomplish His refining work in others.
2: Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. Today, we're picking up in part two of our message titled, Making a Man or Woman of God in Genesis chapter 16 and 17.
1: Yes, in times of confusion, our times of despair, or in times of uncertainty, those times when we don't have a clue what to do, we must do two things. Number one, we must seek the Lord. We must seek his will in, from his written word. And number two, we must be willing to wait on the Lord for the answer. If you're going to take time to pray about something, then you better take time to wait for the answer. First, we must seek him, like what we're told in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 6. It says this, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return to the Lord, and God will have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. He says, seek the Lord, because God will listen to you. Listen, I can tell you this. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you came from. If you pray, the Lord will listen to you. If you pray, he will listen to you. If you seek him with a heart that is genuine and just like, oh God, I just want to hear your word. I don't know what to do here. But when you seek him, you better make sure that you're waiting and listening for the answer. Because he goes on, I I love that verse in Psalm 27, verse 13, and it says this. He says, I would have despaired, and thus I have believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. He goes, I would have despaired. I had no one else to turn to. But Lord, I came to you. So I'm going to wait for you. And I'm not going to move on this important decision. Look, I have kind of learned in life through the years. It's like, you know, if me and my wife can't come to an agreement, I, I kind of like, well, then maybe we just don't do anything then. You know, because I value what she has to say, and it's like if we can't be in agreement, then I usually just don't don't do it. You know, and it's like I I just I just I want to wait until the Lord puts us both on the same page. You know, so it's worth to seek the Lord and then to wait for the Lord. But some might say, "But wait a second, Pastor, hold on. Abraham's been waiting a long time. Come on, it's been ten years now. It's obvious he's not a spring chicken anymore." He's already 85 years old. Yet, we are never to forget these three things about prayer. Don't ever forget these three things about prayer. Number one, God will always answer your prayer. I Just know that. You pray, God's going to answer that prayer. You have to take that to the bank. God will always answer. Hold on. Number two, he will not always answer in our timing. So, you know, we're praying like, okay, Lord, I, I prayed. You know, well, I'm waiting for the answer. And sometimes you're going to have to wait. You're going to have to wait. It's not going to happen immediately. You're going to have to wait. And number three, You can guarantee this. God's not always going to answer the way that you want it answered. Because when we're praying, aren't we kind of praying what I want? Like, oh, Lord, open this door so I can do this. Oh, Lord, give me this so I can have that. Oh, Lord. And we're praying a specific prayer because we want a specific result. God's not always going to answer the way that you want. So you might be saying, well, pastor, I've been praying for something for 20 years. And I'm still waiting. What do you guys say about that? And I'm just going to say, well, 20 years ago, he answered your prayer. And it was no, okay? It was no, okay? So it was no 20 years ago. It was no 10 years ago. It was this morning when you prayed it again, it's still no, okay? So he was faithful. He answered his prayer. It was just no. See, we don't always like what the answer is because we're praying and we want the answer that we want. But God's like, I'm not going to answer that prayer in the way you want it because that will hurt you. I'm not going to do that. Maybe there's some listening right now and you've been seeking the Lord. And no answer has come to you yet. So you've decided to do your own thing. For you have lost hope. And now you're second guessing God. All I can say to you now is be careful. Be careful for that's exactly what Abraham did here in our text. They jumped out. They took the shortcut. And now, guess what? They're paying a price for it. And it's a heavy price. His wife is blaming him. What did you listen to me for? What's wrong with you? Yeah, you didn't have any problem going sleeping with the wife. I didn't see you hesitating on that. You're going to sleep with you know the young maid. It's like, oh, my goodness. And each and every one of us today are paying a price for what he did. You're thinking, how are we paying a price for this sin? well listen to what god said about the son that would be born to hagar look what he says here picking up in verse 10 he says moreover the angel of the lord said to her what hagar because she took off and ran because sarah was treating her poorly because she said your man is my man now okay so he says i will greatly multiply your descendants so that they shall be too many to count He's, he's saying this to hagar And the angel of the Lord said to her further, behold, you are with child and you shall bear a son and you shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has given heed to your affliction and he will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand will be against him and he will live to the east of all of his brothers. Well, how'd you like to have that in your womb? Okay, you got the wild donkey in you, girl. And man, he's going to be against everybody and everyone's going to be against him. No one's going to like this guy. Yes, Hagar ran away from the miserable situation that she was in. She didn't like Sarah and Sarah made her pay for it. She treated her harshly. Yet notice back in verse 7, God found Hagar as she ran away. This wasn't his will. God didn't want any of this. She's just a the servant girl, okay? And she got sucked into this whole drama thing here. And Hagar was now in the middle of it. And God, in his mercy and in his grace, reaches out to Hagar. Notice in verse eight, God said to her, where have you come from, Hagar? Where are you going? Where are you going? You, you ran away. You're in the middle of no man's land. You're over here by a willy bush here. It's like, where are you gonna go? What are you gonna do? Where you going, girl? Think about it. I wonder if maybe you, like Hagar, are on the run today for some reason. Because maybe you're suffering from a shortcut that you took in your life. You, you made the shortcut. It was your plan over God's plan. Maybe it was someone else's shortcut, but, you know, you're paying the price for what their decision was. And now it's costing you. I can just say this to you today. Don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. For even as God is meeting Hagar, he will meet you also. Yet now we get a sneak peek into this baby that's going to be born to Hagar. This is why we have all of the fighting in the Middle East. This is why we have such great hostility against the Jews in Israel and the Arab nations it's all because of this that happened right here. This is the reason. The majority of Arabs can't stand the Jewish people. And this is why. This is where it all started with this great resentment towards who? It's the resentment that Ishmael will have against the promised son that will eventually come Isaac. And this is where the division started. It's all Oh, right here. And as God put it in verse 12, this wild donkey of a man to be born is the founder of these Arab nations. And we will see this start with great resentment towards, again, his future brother, the promised son of Abraham, Isaac. Yes, this jealousy still exists where the Arab nations feel that the promised son of Abraham was Ishmael. See, they say, we're the chosen people. See, we're the ones because Ishmael was Abraham's firstborn. And that's where the Arab nations are so resentful to the Jewish people because they say, we're the promised ones. And guess what? It was Isaac. It was always Isaac. Ishmael was never supposed to happen. It's just it's, So it's not true. The promised son is through Isaac, the one that came through Sarah's womb. We will see that in the coming chapters. Which brings up our final point. God's plan re-embraced. For throughout the whole Bible, we can clearly see the true heart of God. His far-reaching hand to all those who have slipped up, all those who have messed up, all those who have fallen into the hotbed of sin and made bad decisions. It goes all the way back to the very first couple. Adam and Eve in the garden. When God said, where are you? God would come down in the cool of the day. He would hang out with Adam and Eve. They would come, oh, daddy's in the garden. Let's go see daddy. But no, not this time. God came down in the cool of the day and it's like, hey, where are you? As if God didn't know. Adam's like, uh, we're hiding in the willy bushes. Why are you hiding in the willy bushes? Well, because we're naked. Well, who, who told you you were naked? Uh, well, uh, uh, did you eat of the fruit that I told you not to eat of? Uh, well, it was the wife that you gave me. It was a double barrel slam. You know, it's that woman that you gave me. It's not my fault. You know, I was taking a nap. I woke up and there she was, a naked woman. It's not my fault. You gave her to me. It's like, oh, no, there was no complaints on that day. But but see again. But where was God? He came to them in their sin and in their bad decision. Just like He came to the disciples remember when the women came to the empty tomb look how much grace god showed there he came to the empty tomb and then the women came there and there was angels there and they said why are you looking for the living one among the dead he is not dead he is risen And they're like, oh, what's happening here? Yes, Jesus is risen. He's not dead. He's not in the tomb. We've been to the tomb. We've been there. It's still empty. Okay, so what did the angels say to the women? Go tell the disciples and Peter. Now, why did he add that and Peter? It was, again, the graciousness of God. Because you remember Peter. Remember on the final night at the Last Supper, just hours before they would come and get Jesus and start beating him to crucify him? Remember Peter's like, hey, Lord, just want to let you know, though all of these, you know, peons here will reject you, I will never reject you. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the other 11 disciples. Though all of these will turn their back on you. Though all of these will, will, will turn, their, to, turn away from you. Not me, not Peter. Remember, I'm Peter. My, my name's Petros. Uh, and I'm a rock, and Jesus looks at him and says, "You know, Peter, uh, just in a couple hours, when the rooster crows here the next morning, you will have already denied me three times." And Peter's like, "What are you talking about? It's not going to happen. What are you talking about?" And then what happened? They went to the Garden of Gethsemane. They prayed for a little while while they just. Actually, Jesus prayed. The disciples slept, but anyway, they came and they nabbed him. As Judas Iscariot did what you know, deceived him uh, and 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 turned him over to those who came to arrest him. And they started beating him. And so Peter followed at a distance. And at a distance, he kept getting spotted. Like, hey, you're one of them. He's like, no, I'm not. And so he denies the Lord. And on the third time, the Bible says he started cursing. So who knows if he's dropping f bombs or what? But he's cursing. I never knew the man. And then right then, the rooster crows, and he's thinking, oh no, I just denied him again the third time, just as Jesus said, and to make it even worse, one of the gospels says that they were bringing Jesus to the courtyard, and he locked eyes with him. What would you feel like right there, just hours ago, you're like, Lord, I will never deny you, though all of these deny you, I will never deny you, and there you are denying, just like the Lord said, the third time, and then you lock eyes with Jesus I'm sure Jesus didn't look at him like, yeah, I told you, Peter, Mr. Rock. I'm sure he just looked at him like, Peter, don't trust in your own strength. And he just walked by. But Peter, it says, he went out and he wept bitterly. How would you have wept then? Oh, my, could you imagine doing that? Like, oh, God, how could I have done this? How could I have done this? But look at the grace that the angel showed. Go tell the disciples. And Peter See, that's the grace and the mercy and the long suffering that God has for us. We think, oh, God could never love me after this. God could never love me. I've gone too far. I've done the worst thing. And yet He does. God is always reaching out to those who mess up, those who fall down, those who butcher their life up. Listen to what he says in Joel 2.12. He says, yet even now declares the Lord, return to me with all of your heart and with fasting and weeping and mourning and rend your heart and not your garments. See, they used to tear their clothes in the sign of repentance. Oh, I'm so sorry, God. He says, save your clothes, but rip your heart. Okay, get a little deeper. Save your clothes, rip your heart. Now return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious. He is compassionate. God is slow to anger. He is abounding in loving kindness, and he's relenting of evil that's how god feels about us you know sometimes you ever remember that arcade game like you go to these old school arcades you know they got the whack-a-mole you know so the little mole pops up in like 10 places and you got a mallet here beat the whack-a-mole 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 and you're just beating sometimes within god's like that he's got a big mallet and he's just oh let me add him. let me just beat him. you know they, they sinned they did the same thing six times in a row let me just whack-a-mole them a few that's not god's attitude He doesn't want to whack-a-mole you. But anyway, that's not God's heart. That's not his desire. We are to return to him. That word return in the Hebrew can be translated two different ways. First, as believers who skipped the path of righteousness, it means to retreat to the starting point. So what God is saying to the believer, he's saying, you know, find out, go back to where you took the shortcut. Just let's go back there and let's move on. Forgetting those things which are behind, let's move on. So let's just pick up, let's get back, and let's get moving again. Second, it's to a non-believer. Those who have never surrendered their heart to Christ, they are to return to God's original plan to salvation. God created us to have fellowship with him. We need to stop fighting, and we need to return to the Lord. God's just saying, look, if you're a believer that's gone off the path, you need to return. If you're a non-believer, you need to surrender your life. But both of you just come home. Come home. Come back to your maker is what he's saying. Yes, you know, God can use us, even if we failed many times in the past to accomplish his refining work in others. Now, each of us who have failed can actually lead others to Christ. And that's why God wants to use us as the voice piece to other people. Just last Monday, I had to go to Orange County. And so I ended up getting down there at like 8 o'clock and I found out I had this appointment and then I had to come back at 5. So I was going to be there all day. So I, I didn't want to try to fight traffic back to LA and then to fight traffic to come back so i just stayed in orange county all day uh last monday so i i text a friend of mine because uh he had got this uh ac cobra okay so uh when carol shelby was building ac cobras that's a little two-seat sports car back in 1965 they actually had a warehouse of 50 bodies and 50 frames left that they never built and so they took those 50 and they built original ac cobras and a friend of mine bought one and he got took possession of it like six months ago so I never seen it. So I just, you know, I'm thinking, well, I'm, all, I'm down here for a while. I text him, I go, Hey, what's the chance of come over and look at it? He goes, Yeah, come on over. And I'm like, Yes. So anyway, I went over there, and then so I'm looking like, oh, this is awesome. And then we just talk, 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 talk. You know, he's a, a really solid believer in Christ. And, and so we're just having fellowship together and talking. Then it got to be lunch Sunday. He goes, You want to go do lunch? I'm like, Did the sun come up today? I mean, like, is Jesus Lord? I mean, yes, of course I want to do lunch. He goes, Well, where do you want to go? And I'm like, Well, you know, the two... Best shredded beef tacos, beans, and rice on the planet is here at El Matador in Newport. And I'm just like, going Hey, man, can we go there? There is so much lard in those beans that your arteries clog on the first bite. It's so good, though. And they're chips and salsa. So we get there, and I'm just like, This is glorious. I mean, who would have thought I'm going to be eating two shredded beef tacos, beans, and rice? So anyway, the, the waiter walks over and he comes up to the table. You know, and that, this is before the chips and salsa have landed. And uh, and he goes, uh, Hey, yeah, all right, I'm going to be your server. I said, Hey, man when's the last time someone told you there's a god in heaven that loves you then he's just like oh well now no one in Man, I'm just, I'm not walking right with God, and my mom is on me, and man, I'm hanging out with the wrong crowd, and I mean, he's pouring his heart out of the table, so, so me and my friend, we just start sharing the gospel with him, and we're just sharing with him and sharing with him, and so anyway, I said, hey, you know what, young man, this is like, you know, we're like 10 minutes into it, no one else is getting service, but we got his attention, but anyway, so I said, you know, I was here like four years ago, like four years ago, I was at that table right over there, and I said, I was sharing with another waiter here at this same room. Restaurant and I asked him right here, right now, would you like to give your life to Jesus Christ? And he prayed, standing up at the table, right here. Four years ago, I said you could do the same thing right now, and he goes, "I'd like to do that." So here we are. The place is packed. everyone's scarfing tacos, and it's like, and it's like this guy bows his head, prays, and asks Christ in his heart as a savior. I mean, what's the chance of that happening? Remember the crown of life. It's for those who endure on this side of heaven, not for those who escape. The afflictions we all face are God's agents to work out his eternal weight of glory in our lives. I wonder how much of our treasure in heaven will depend on how we handled our earthly hardships. Let's not forget bad choices. They rob us of God's peace. Bad choices rob us of God's joy. They rob those that are around us from the message of hope because we're all convicted and we're all, you know, feeling like lousy, worthless sinners. So, so we don't share our faith because we're all under walking under a cloud. And so it rips everybody off. Everyone loses. How much of our treasure in heaven is going to depend on? on how we handle these things. This is why we must submit to the Lord. This is why we must submit to God's word. Do as our father in heaven has told us to do. I love what it says in Romans eight, seven. It says the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile towards God. So if you got your mindset on things of the world and things of the flesh, you are in hostility towards God. He says, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. Don't be hostile towards God. Submit yourself to him. Submit yourself to his word. But getting back to Abraham, he had to get back to basics. He had to get back to God's plan. So God reminded Abraham in his latter years. And this is what he said. Now, again, we're another... 15 years down the road here from this whole mess up, not quite that much, over 10 though. He says in, in Genesis seventeen fifteen. he says, then God said to Abraham, this is about 12 years actually. He says, as for Sarah, your wife, or Sarah, he still calls her here. You shall not call her name Sarah, but Sarah shall be her name. So this is when he changes her name from Sarah to Sarah. And I will bless her, and indeed I will give you a son by her, not the maid. Then I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face, and he laughed. And he said in his heart, Will a child be born to a man that's a hundred years old? And will Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? Hey, that's something to laugh about. It's a good question, right? Like, how many guys do you see that are 100 and their wife is 90 that are popping out babies like Octomom, okay? Not too many, okay? But God said in verse 19, no, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son and you shall call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him and an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. God says, oh, yeah, laugh all you want. But guess what? You're going to be a daddy, and it's going to happen a year from now. Wow. Yeah, it sounded crazy. Got to admit, it, it sounded crazy back then. It sounds crazy today. But nothing is impossible with God. If you don't remember nothing else from today, know that nothing is impossible with God. So again, when's it going to happen? Go down to chapter 17, verse 21. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you at this season next year. Get ready, get the crib up, get the little ornaments out. It's going to be a baby. We already called it. So you can go blue on this thing, set up the baby's room, get the, get the everything going because this baby's going to happen a year from now. I wonder how long you would wait for God's perfect plan. How long would you wait? Remember, Abraham was 75 years old when he first obeyed the call of God. Now he's 100. Been 25 years. I wonder how long you would wait for God's perfect plan. Or are you going to settle for the shortcut? Yes, there's God's plan. Then there's our shortcut. And then there's recognizing our plan, our shortcut, that it bit the farm, that it's not that good, and then we can always change from our plan
2: back to God's plan. That's all the time we have for today's message. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on ios and android core church is sponsored by and a listener supported outreach of core church la if you have been blessed by this program consider supporting our radio ministry by texting core church la one word that's core church la to 77977 and remember there's a god in heaven who loves you